Let's just allow hearts a moment and Holy Spirit, we welcome you. Let there be an awareness and a revelation of the glory of our God tonight. Thank you for all that you are and all that you're doing and all that you're going to do. Grant us something of what Isaiah saw. I saw the Lord high and lifted up. His train filled the temple. Oh, what a mighty God we serve. And, and yet you have chosen your people and your church to reflect you in all your glory. Oh God, who is sufficient for these things? And so we do yield and ask that you change us from glory to glory in his name. Amen. We live in a, an amazingly complicated world right now, don't we? With COVID just having been, and not sure whether it has been or still, with a war that we've spoken about, with a, a society that by and large actually doesn't even tolerate Christianity anymore, but is actually antagonistic. And I'm reminded that this actually was, by and large, the situation after Jesus rose again and he had his group of disciples facing an antagonistic world facing situations that seemed impossible. And you can imagine the master himself standing before his beloved disciples, his beloved church, and saying, wait for the promise of the Father. He will lead you. He will teach you. He will empower you. He will enable you. Through him, there will be the breakthroughs. And I believe that with all that is happening right now, that God has designed his people and his church to only operate successfully by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I wanted to share for a few minutes on something that I've called releasing the supernatural. And when I'm talking about supernatural, I'm just talking about God's presence, all that he is. The definition of supernatural are things that happen that are beyond scientific understanding or reason. And when you think about it, the fact that many of us are here today have a supernatural base. We have met supernaturally with God who has supernaturally changed us, supernaturally changed our vision, supernaturally changed our future, supernaturally has done profound things in our lives that we are totally different to what we were before. 
My background was I, I grew up in a, in a Zimbabwe farming situation, really with no real Christian influence. And as a 14-year-old, the Lord Jesus came and stood supernaturally by my bed in the midst of a dormitory of about 25 boys and began a journey that today I am totally different to what I was before. You see, when God changes a man's nature, changes his desire, changes something of the way that he looks and sees things, then something supernatural has happened. But friends, the whole Bible is based on the fact that God is God and above all things natural. You see, the fact is that creation is supernatural. It's God who created the laws of nature that remain steady, such as the laws of gravity. But God is able and sometimes does break those laws because simply because he's God. And the very foundation of our Christian faith is based on the supernatural. Jesus' virgin birth was supernatural. His miracles were supernatural. His resurrection was supernatural. And friends, those th three things, I believe, are, 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 are types of what Jesus wants to do in individuals, that we are, are born again supernaturally by the Spirit to become sons and daughters of God. And one day when He comes again, we're going to be raised again. And friends, the supernatural, I suggest, must be fundamental for the true church today because without it, the church is nothing but a club of natural people. One Peter two five says the church is made of living stones built into a spiritual house. And spiritual is opposite to merely natural. It means being inhabited and guided and empowered by the supernatural spirit of Christ. It is Christ living in us and through us. And as such... Every part of our life and lifestyle as we abide in him and he in us is to be supernatural. You see, it's not natural to be able to forgive as Jesus commanded. It's not natural for his church to love one another as Christ has loved the church. It's not natural to have a servant heart that doesn't try and push oneself, but simply lays down oneself to serve others. It's not natural to persevere faithfully for Jesus when times are tough. And so, as Christians too, we talk about the reality of the presence of God. We I'm sure if you love Jesus, you have sensed God's in this house. 
but the mere natural man just does not understand. That's why we read in 1 Corinthians 2, 8 to 10, none of the rulers of this age understood it. For if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. However, as it is written, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him, but God has revealed it to us by his Spirit. Supernatural. And it's by faith that we receive these things, and as a result, we and the church are changed. That's why Jesus said in John chapter 7, with a loud voice, because it was such an important statement, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me a drink. And then out of your innermost being, whether it's the individual being, or whether it's a corporate being of the local church, rivers of living water will flow. And those rivers are nat- not natural waters. They are supernatural waters, as we find typified both in Jeremiah and Ezekiel and in the book of Revelation, that wherever the waters go, life comes. And it's also why... Jesus was able to say in John 12 that whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing and they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. Friends, I'm a little concerned sometimes that we read things like this and we relegate it to a distant past when God is saying, It's not for a distant past. It's for the transforming of a world before he comes again. It's for you and for the church now. So there are very different types of supernatural works of God. Some are within the hearts and lives of those who turn to Christ and trust Him where there's new nature, there's forgiveness, new desires that we've been talked about. But then there are also the supernatural interventions of God that we read much about in the Bible. The, the spreading of the Red Sea, manna every day, causing iron, axe to float by Elisha, uh, and fire from heaven, healing the sick, raising the dead, multiplying the, the loaves and fishes. And, and uh, in the New Testament, much of the supernatural intervention of God are called the gifts of the Spirit. And we need to understand that both the supernatural within and without in the interventions of God are just simply part of the very nature of God and the consequence of living in Him and He in us. That's why I think in this day and age where we, by and large, have, been set, have settled for the interventions within, but not so much with the interventions without. But we need to understand, friends, if we're going to reach our generation, 
if France is going to be reached, if uh, Africa is going to be reached, if Europe is going to be reached, if India is going to be reached, it's not going to be through great buildings. It's not going to be through great services. That's why Jesus said that wait for the promise of my Father. And from those 12, the supernatural inventions of God came within and without. And within 30 years, a generation was changed that was harder than our generation. And the Bible makes very clear why the supernatural is important in and through the church. 1 Corinthians 14, 26 tells us the supernatural is so, and I quote, the church may be built up. We need not just good congregations, we need churches that are built up, that become base churches, that affects communities, cities, and nations. And these things are given to strengthen the saints and then give them the ability as the body of Christ, all that he is with the fullness of God, to reach a generation for him. I am always just so challenged by the fact that the Bible says you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. I look at this gray hairs, getting more wrinkly body, and un but understand that God has designed this to be a temple, not just filled with a bit of God, but with a design for the fullness of God's. He's designed his church, not just for good meetings, but designed the church for his presence, for the fullness of him, by the power of his Spirit. And uh, as we read a few verses concerning prophecy, which is part one of the divine interventions of God, the consequences is that the secrets of hearts will be laid bare, and so they will fall down and worship God, exclaiming, God is really among you. Friends, I, I have had the privilege of visiting places where I've seen something of visitations of God by the power of the Spirit. And whenever that has happened, there has never been a building big enough to contain the crowds or come for hundreds of kilometers. See, many of the New Testament miracles were outside church buildings, causing people who just knew nothing of God to say the same things. Truly, God is here. And often, the miracles in the Bible are referred to as signs. We read in Acts 2.43, Fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. And the signs are simply signs of the power and the presence, the love and the glory of God. Jesus is really alive. Not just church. Uh, 
And when that happens, not only in the church and amongst God's people, faith starts to awaken. Faith starts to deepen. Holiness is created because we're in the presence of God himself. But do please remember, though, that God will not work his supernatural power and demand. Remember, both Herod and the Pharisees wanted Jesus to perform some miracles and signs, and he refused. But when God does the supernatural within and without, it comes from the very root and the foundation of love for his people and love for his church and a love that is born and manifested out the cross of of Christ where God so loved the world he gave his only begotten son. If you read the miracles before and during the Exodus, it was based on a love of God for his people. He saw a people. And so... There was a manifestation of his power to take them into inheritance. And Israel might have failed. There will be a restoration later on. But they were designed to be a witness to the world. And that's why the supernatural happens. But how much more today for us in Christ. I so love the words of 2 Corinthians 3.9 that says, Now, if the ministry that brought death, which was engraved in letters and stone, came with glory so that the Israelites could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of its glory, fading though it was, will not the ministry of the Spirit be even more glorious? Friends, that's why over the years my thirst for God and the thirst of the Holy Spirit I trust And I've asked for it to grow more and more intensity and intensity simply because when God rends the heavens as it were and something of his glory break in and his people are filled with the Spirit, the consequence is not just good churches, friends. It's transformed people, transformed cities, and transformed nations. And remember, the miracles of Jesus were never done for a show. In fact, many times he told the people whom he healed to go and t- don't tell anybody. But he ministered these things out of love and compassion. You'll find so many times the repetition, Jesus had compassion and reached out his hand. And friends, just to encourage you, that all of us, to check our hearts. Sometimes say, show your glory, Lord, so that we can have a great church. So that we can get well known. But the foundation is always a love for him and a love for people and a heart that's on its face before God. Martin Lloyd-Jones, a well-known preacher and theologian, 
some years ago said this, what is needed is some mighty demonstration of the power of God, some enactment of the Almighty that will compel people to pay attention and to look and to listen. When God acts, he can do more in a minute than man with his organizing can do in 50 years. And tell you, friends, I've seen it. I've seen it when God breaks in. In our church some years ago, we had something of a break in in God. And, and I've seen queues of people lining up from three o'clock in the afternoon to get into a meeting. I've seen it in other churches that I've been when God has have moved. And that time, and I, I have no time to tell you, but uh, we invited a Christian drama for three days, ended up seven weeks, but 27,000 visitors through the life of the church. And friends, it was God. We saw men and women running to give their lives to Jesus. When the church was full, friends, we had people breaking in the church because we had to turn away people, breaking in to get in. We had teachers bringing combi loads of their worst students <laughs> saying, please let us in. And we found spaces of them and every single one got saved. Scott. No wonder Jesus said, wait for the promise of the Father. And on the day of Pentecost, 3,000 ran. Do you remember when persecution came to the church in those early books of Acts, when there was just People were being beaten, thrown into prison, and what have you. Remember the prayer that they prayed. It wasn't God to save us from all this stuff. God, why are you letting this happen? This is the prayer that they prayed. And I, I, I just think that it needs to be the prayer of the church once again in the midst of an antagonistic world. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. I, I do believe that it's time for the church, you and I, to rise to new levels of faith in the fullness of the Holy Spirit and to pray that the majesty, the glory, the wonder of God be revealed to a world that's sinking into oblivion. As we move into this next season, I am trusting that we will be believing that we will be a church that is expecting the power of God to touch people, resulting in people being supernaturally convicted of sin. 
being born again as new creations in Christ, forgiven and accepted and cleansed by God, despairing people filled with hope, people separated by anger reconciled, marriages being restored, people being filled with boldness to stand for Christ and sharing Him with others. God's people and churches as a whole being filled with the fire of God that all, there's just no space for lukewarmness anymore. And with courage and sacrifice, serving the Lord and seeing the miracles of healing, deliverance, and the gifts of the Spirit. And I believe God is wanting to do this in this next season. Friends, one of the things we, if you read, I haven't got time to do a study in the gifts tonight, but one of the things if you read in 1 Corinthians 12 about the gifts of the Spirit, it says that none speaking by the Spirit of God can say Jesus is Lord. You see, what is, it's not just a repetition that, but there's, when God starts to move supernaturally, there's a revelation of Him. And when there's a revelation of Him, it begins to release the supernatural gifts in the midst. And we also need to understand that these things are not just for leaders. If you look at the Bible... Many miracles were done through both Philip and Stephen, who were both deacons. Jesus sent out 70, of whom 12 were apostles. And I believe that as God said he would pour out his spirit in these last days, so will the growth of the supernatural multiply both within and through the lives of those who trust him. And churches will start to arise and, and become a testimony in a, an alien and dark world. And suddenly, instead of just meetings behind closed walls, light and, and fire will start to break out and start to touch people around us. And I do believe that God is looking for a people whose faith will arise to new levels on this. Remember Galatians 3, 5? Does God give you his spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Do you believe what you've heard? This afternoon, we just want to, in a few minutes, just come before the Lord and just give Him some time to work in all of us, to work in our, our own hearts and lives where there have been struggles and issues. but also a moment to be able to enlarge our faith because much of the church has built ceilings of normality over itself. Normal services, normal works, 
And God is saying, sons and daughters, it's time to become ceiling breakers. It's time to break through. You and your the church has never been designed for normality. It's never been designed to be ordinary. It's designed to be supernatural, filled with the fullness of God. But it does begin with being hungry, desperately thirsty for Him. When we come to the place where we're tired of ordinariness, tired of just religiosity, and desperate for reality, the reality of God Himself. And remember, Jeremiah 33, 3, call to me and I will answer you and I will show you great and mighty things which you do not know. It begins by saying, God, I want your fullness. I long for your glory. I long for your majesty. I long for your church to be all you've designed her to be. And then secondly, I believe it it's involved, it means just simply coming before him and asking him to fill us again or fill us maybe for the first time with the Holy Spirit. You see, it was the Pentecost that changed the course of the church. Actually, that was when the church was born. When suddenly... The Holy Spirit who Jesus said was with you shall be in you. And rivers started to flow. And as the rivers flowed, people started to change. They changed first, and then people changed secondly. We long to be filled. And I, I, I daily pray, God, fill me afresh. I pray regularly that I trust in a moment we're going to pray together. Remember John the Baptist's statement about Jesus. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And we need the Holy Spirit and fire. God, give us people and give us churches and make me a firebrand. And then the third thing out of that, as we read... In 1 Corinthians 14, eagerly desire the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Eagerly. Friends, much of the church has lost its eagerness and become satisfied with a bit of prophecy here and a bit of prophecy there. But friends, when I travel around and I see people with cancers, I see people under huge oppression. I see people that need more than a good sermon. You know, somebody once taught me, when says eagerly desire the best gifts, some, some say, well, prophecy, because that's mentioned. But this person had this suggestion, and I've taken it. The best gift that we can ask for is what is needed in your situation and that situation. Yeah. 